Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. In this episode, we are going to be talking about five good things parents do that actually hurt self-esteem, me included. Before we get into that, I have a few things I just want to bring up. If you're new here, or if you haven't already, you might want to consider joining my private Facebook groups. I have one on general parenting, and I have one on parenting anxious kids. You can find those at anxioustoddlers.com. And if you scroll down on my website, there are going to be these pink buttons. Just click there and I will get notified that you want to join. We're having some good talks in there and I would love for you to join me. So let's get on with the topic for today. There are a lot of things that we do as parents that seem really good, but they really aren't. So I want to talk about that today. But I do have to say, and first, before I even get started, that our kids are going to totally survive. I think there is this whole philosophy right now. And I don't know if my parents and your parents had this issue as well. And I just didn't know it because I was a kid. But I feel like, you know, we're constantly scrutinized as parents and everybody's got an opinion and everyone's got um, the latest and greatest book or read the latest and greatest blog post or is in that special mommy group. And, and with all of those things and all that information, it's like, we shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And, um, you know, this is bad, this is good. And I feel like it makes all of our heads spin and I'm a child therapist and it makes my head spin. I'm here to tell you that, you know, our kids are going to survive. I survived and we would pile up into the station wagon and they didn't have (laughs) seatbelts. You know, there was a lot of things going on back in my day that we would never do now. You know, I don't even know if we had car seats. I don't really remember. I don't really remember seeing a car seat. (laughs) I don't know. But my point is we're all doing the best we can and our kids are going to be fine. That doesn't mean though that we can't like fine tune our parenting game and, you know, fill ourselves up with knowledge of what might be helpful and what might not be. So In that sense, we're going to talk about things that we can do better today, but I did want to premise that with, Hey, you know what? You're doing fine. Don't worry about it. So do you have one of those kids that is like, I can't do it or I'm so stupid or I suck at this. I can't do anything right. Or why was I even born? You know, kids can give you subtle clues that they're having some self-esteem issues. And in fact, you know, even when I wrote this, I didn't really feel like my kids necessarily had any self-esteem issues. I felt like this was something that I saw a lot in my practice, but lately my five-year-old daughter has been making these statements that initially I, I thought were attention seeking, but now I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is wrong with her self-esteem? And every kid is wired differently. Every kid has a different temperament, different personality. They kind of come out of the womb that way. And, and that's not your fault. I kind of call it pre-baked, you know, like I know very weird, but our kids come out pre-baked with certain personality characteristics, certain traits that we didn't do to them. They're just born that way. You can have four kids 
same exact parents and the personalities and the traits are going to be very different for each one of those kids. And the parents are the same. Parenting style is the same. So don't beat yourself up if your child is making these self-hating statements and they're little, you know, some kids are just born to have a little bit more of a negative view, but that doesn't mean that there's things that you can't do to help them through that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Things that you can do to help things that you shouldn't do that aren't really that helpful. So my five-year-old recently, every time I redirect her, every time I do anything, and I'm, I'm not a screamer by nature. I mean, I totally have my momzilla moments like everybody else. I always tell people, I always tell parents in my therapy practice, look, I completely lose it too. We all are human. We all have our moments. Um, it's just a matter of being aware of them and trying to kind of curtail them and, and have more moments that are not like that than the moments that we have where we lose it. But I'm pretty calm generally with my kids. I just talk in a monotone voice when I'm redirecting them. And I can just say anything to my five-year-old and she will flip out and she'll be like, you hate me. You hate me. You don't even like me. (laughs) And initially I thought she was just doing some attention seeking because a lot of the parents that I work with will have kids who do that. And then, you know, we switch gears and we get really warm and fuzzy and we're like, I don't hate you. I love you. Come here. Why would you say that? Why do you think that? And you know, inadvertently it reinforces that, that negative behavior. And so I always tell parents, you know, don't address it in the moment. You can just say, matter of factly, I love you, but I not liking the choices that you're making right now, or I'm just trying to teach you what's right and what's wrong. So total tangent, but that's normally how I tell parents to approach it. So my five-year-old lately has been saying that a lot because she's five. And so she's like, Hey, where are the boundaries? Like, are they here? Or can I go a little bit further? She kind of thinks she's immune because she's cute and she's the youngest. And so lately I've had to like up my, my mom game. And I've, I've kind of had to crush that. Um, I'm going to find the farthest boundary spirit that she's got going on right now. So she has been getting a little bit more, um, less warm and fuzzy mom and a little bit more like you can't do that. That's strike one because we do three strikes. You're out in my house. So lately I've noticed that, you know, maybe it's more of a self-esteem thing. So the way that I've tried to combat that, and I'm bringing this up and this isn't even like, this isn't even part of the five things that I'm going to talk about today, but I'm just going on a tangent right now. I always like to talk about my kids so that you know that I am right there with you. But I had a long talk with her we went to the zoo and we're having a really nice moment. We have mommy days and they're going to be, they're going to be gone really soon because she's going into kindergarten next year and the school year is almost over. And so right now I have Monday and Tuesday are kind of our mommy days. And we normally do something fun on one of the, one of the days. And I've been getting caught up in work and doing all this stuff. And even my mommy days are boring and she's not really doing anything. So I feel completely guilty and I, I have to soak her up because once summer comes, um, that's pretty much the end of it because all the other kids are going to be here and then she's off to kindergarten and, and I am home alone. Sometimes you don't really appreciate things until they're gone. And I'm trying to like be aware of that before that happens. So anyway, we're at the zoo and I sit down and I tell her cause she's a pretty mature five-year-old. She's a pretty deep thinker. And I said, you know, my job is to teach you life lessons. You go to school and your teachers teach you the alphabet and the numbers, and that's their job. 
my job is to teach you about life. And so I'm a life teacher. And she's like, you're not a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, I am. (laughs) And I am lady. And people even call me a feelings teacher at work. So, but I said, all parents are teachers. We teach you about life. So I teach you how to be a good listener, how to make good choices, because you're not born knowing how to do that. And I'm not expecting that you know everything. So when I tell you, you can't do something and you do it anyway, I'm going to give you a life lesson because I love you. And I want you to learn how to respect other people when you go to school or you go to, you know, someone else's house. It's my job to teach you what is okay and what's not okay. And right now I'm, I'm teaching you that. And that's why you are, you know, getting in trouble a lot. (laughs) She's like, I don't want these life lessons. These life lessons are not good. But eventually she said, I get it, mom. I get it. Because then she got in trouble like, like five hours later. And I'm like, this is a life lesson. This is what I'm talking about. And she's like, I know. So you can talk to your kids. Don't talk to them in the moment when they're getting in trouble, but you can talk to your kids outside of that. If they always say like, you hate me when you're disciplining them and you can explain what you're doing and why you're doing it. So total tangent, but I, I just wanted to talk about that. So let's get into number one. So when we do everything for our kids, we inadvertently teach them that they're not capable of doing things for themselves. This is a big one because it starts off when they're toddlers, you have toddlers that it is for starters, it is so annoying (laughs) And maybe I'm just not a patient person, but it is so annoying to watch a toddler get dressed. Like I have zero patience when it comes to that and think, goodness, I don't have a toddler anymore. (laughs) That's horrible. Especially considering my website is called anxious toddlers, but it's not for just toddlers. If you ever heard me rant about my horrible picking of that name, whatever. But anyway, if you sit and you watch a toddler, try to get pants on, um, or even like a shirt on and you're like, please just get it into the right hole. Please just get it into the right hole. And then they don't. It's very easy to quickly go rescue them because it is super annoying and maybe you're in a rush, but that is just a very basic example. We do things for our kids for all ages. You know, they are having a hard time getting their shoes on and we do it for them or they're having a hard time with their math homework and we, we do it for them. There's a lot of things that we jump in and we do it for our kids and we're sending them a message inadvertently that they, they can't do it themselves and it creates insecurity and it creates helplessness. And so I tell parents, even if you need to help them do some of it for them and then let them do the rest. So for little people like toddlers, you know, put, put their leg in to the hole and then back away and let them pull the pants up. If you can get them to do the last step, they are going to feel success. They're going to feel accomplished. So let me give you some other examples outside of the toddlers. My seven-year-old was doing a project, his first project for school. I never really had like any serious assignments before. And he had to basically do one of those um, shoebox type of assignments, you know, where it was a cheetah and he just had to do like a little background for the cheetah, but I had to hot glue it. There really wasn't much for him to do. It was like, okay, he's going to paint it. And then I'm going to basically hot glue this cheetah and some mini trees that I took from my therapy office. And that's pretty much the whole thing. But I tried to put it more on my child as much as I could. So I had him paint it, 
And then even when I had the hot glue gun, I was like, okay, come here, tell me exactly where you want it. And then I'm just going to glue it. And I felt like I kind of did a lot of it, you know, because he painted it and then I glued it. But at the end I was like, you did an amazing job. You know, that looks really good. I like the way you placed that. And it was all on him for older kids with like my teenager. I have to consciously remember to back out of responsibilities that she should be doing herself. So, you know, I don't make her breakfast. She's 13 and I stopped making her breakfast maybe at 10 and not because I'm a mean mom, although I think she thinks that, but because she's older and I want her to be self-sufficient. And so I tell her, look, I'll make you dinner. Dinner is on me. Like that's a mom thing. Don't you worry about it. But if it's a Saturday and we're all doing kind of lunch ad hoc, grab whatever you want. That's on you. If it's breakfast in the morning, that's always on you. If it's your lunch for school, that's totally you. So it's not mean to have your kids be more independent because it actually really helps their self-esteem. She doesn't see that right now. And I've explained this to her. I said, look, if I did everything for you, you'd be 20. And then you'd be like, oh my gosh, mom, how do I make a sandwich? Because seriously, at like 12, she did not know how to make a sandwich. And like I had taught her, I taught her at 10. I taught her at 11. She's like, it's just too hard. So I'm glad I'm starting those life skills early because that's kind of scary. So let's talk about number two. Number two, these are all kind of interrelated, but when we rescue our children too often, they never learn how to face life's bumps. So this is a tricky one too, because it's so hard to not just jump in and save our kids. And you have to kind of look at yourself and say, what, what is this that maybe is triggering me? Because there might be certain things that are hard to sit and watch and they might be triggering things for you. Or maybe your parents didn't do certain things for you. So you're overcompensating because you're like, I never want my kids to experience what I experienced. But you have to realize as well that when we rescue them all the time, they're not developing any problem skills and they're not learning how to handle challenges. And then when they're in their twenties, then when they get their first bump, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with the road? Why is there a big bump in the road? I don't know how to get around it. And they're going to like be permanently stuck. And so it's our job to let them experience those little challenges, let them experience the bumps. So what does that look like? Let's talk about some concrete things so that you know what I'm talking about. I had a mom that I saw, um, many, many, many years ago. And she called me because she was so upset that her daughter was having some social problems. And I met with her without her daughter at first. And she cried and she was so devastated that this, that her child and her child's best friend were having a fight. And she had text the, the friend's mom. She had gotten other friends, moms involved. She had text the whole circle of people. And I think they were like in fourth grade. And then when I met the child, the child was like, yeah, we got into a fight. It was silly. You know, my mom's really upset about it. So let's not talk about it in front of her. <laughs> and I thought that that's really sad because you shouldn't care more than your child about their, their social life. And it is hard to sit back and watch conflict, but they have to experience how to problem solve, problem solve that themselves. So if you're running in there and you're constantly saving your kids from social conflict or even academic conflict, like if your child doesn't have anything medically going wrong with them, there's no ADHD or focusing issue and they forget their homework 
well, you know, it might be good to not go and bring it to the school so they can experience that. Or if your child waits till the very, very last minute to do a huge project, you know, maybe you don't stay up until midnight with them. Maybe you let them experience that C or D grade so they can learn. It just depends. I mean, you know your child and you know where they need help and where they could do it themselves. So that is number two. Okay, so let's move on to number three. When we praise our children for every minor achievement, they stop believing in our praise altogether. Now, I think praise is great. And there is this whole new parenting philosophy that says praise is bad. And I think that is so stupid and so ridiculous. And, you know, there's a lot of Pinterest and blog posts that say, you know, don't say good job. Don't say this to your child. Don't compliment them with an empty praise. And, and I think that's gotten a little out of control because now parents, I've worked with some parents who come in and they're like, yeah, we never say anything. You know, we don't praise him. And they're saying it like in a positive way. And then I meet the son and he's so self-hating and self-doubting. And it's because they never say anything nice to him. And also he just has low self-esteem, but you know, just be natural and praise your kids. But there are ways to praise in a more fruitful, effective way. And so when you are aware of that, then you can change your words and you can do this, but please don't just stop praising your kids because I had read a parenting book that um, was so ridiculous. And she talked a lot about how praise is bad and it's self-inflating these egos and kids are feeling like they're great because they get rewards and trophies for just breathing. And yeah, I get that. That's not good. But that doesn't mean you swing that pendulum in the totally opposite direction and you don't ever say anything nice to your kids. You know, somewhere in the middle for everything is a good thing, right? So if you're going to praise your kids, you know, try to be, try to be genuine. And so like, if you, if you see your daughter drawing a cute little picture and she says, you know, Hey, how do you like it? Then you might say, Oh, I like it. I like the colors that you used or, you know, just be a little bit more specific. That helps. And you want to save your praise for genuine achievements. The other day, my daughter was just my five-year-old. <laughs> She's kind of the topic for today. She was like scribbling on a piece of paper in an angry sort of way. And she showed it to me and she goes, do you like this? And I'm like, well, no. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you scribbling on it? And she was really testing me. I know that sounds totally weird, but she was because she looked at me and she smiled in this weird sort of disturbing sort of way. <laughs> and then she went and she drew a real picture. If you praise your kids for everything, then then it's, they're not going to really hear you when you're praising them for good things. And I have a lot of kids that come into my practice and they'll say, yeah, I don't believe my parents because they're my parents and they're going to say that I'm great no matter what. So be realistic with your praise. You know, sometimes my older daughter, she's really into drawing and she'll show me something and it's not her best work. And she'll be like, oh, do you like this? And I'll be like, yeah, it's okay. And then she'll show me something else. And I'll be like, wow, that is amazing. Like that looks like very realistic. And she believes my praise because I am very real with her and I'm real with my praise. Some kids have a hard time getting praise. And so you want to be very low key and casual when you're delivering praise. And even with kids who are okay getting the praise, when you do like subtle, natural comments, it tends to have a bigger impact. Okay, up next, we're going to be talking about number four and number five. The last two things about self-esteem that you kind of want to avoid. We'll be right back. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more 
parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Okay, let's talk about the last two. So the last, well, number four, I want to talk about when we constantly tell our kids how to do things better, they never really get to celebrate what they do well. And a lot of times I'll have parents who are very overzealous about just making the best human being that they possibly can. And so they're constantly giving them tips and suggestions. You know, if you had studied a little bit better, you would have gotten a 90 instead of 89. Or the next time you do that flip, you need to do it this way, not that way. Or when you're playing soccer, you know, it was good that you passed, but you should have kept it because you could have scored the goal. And it's okay to give your kids structural criticism or pointers because how are they going to get better? And there is this balance between overpraising and underpraising and giving feedback and not giving feedback. Everything is a balance, but you, you want to also highlight what kids are doing right. You know, so it's kind of like just at work, right? Like if, if your boss comes up to you and he's like, you know, that report was um, too short and it looked rushed and I wasn't impressed with it. If he always did that to you, you're going to be like, ugh. I hate working for this man. He's so obnoxious. But if he came up to you and he was like, you know, you had some really good pointers and I appreciated those. You needed to elaborate a little bit more because I wasn't sure where you wanted to go with that. So when we find something that is good in what someone's doing and we highlight that before we tell them what, what they're doing, that's bad. One, it's much more well-received. Two, they know what to build on. And three, they're going to listen to you moving forward. No, I'm not saying you can't, you know, give your child some redirection without having to praise them every single time. That would be ridiculous. But you just want to be aware of that. Like if if you're constantly telling your child what they're doing wrong and you never tell them what they're doing right, they are going to feel pretty negative about themselves and about you. And I have parents that I work with who never say anything good. You know, and it could be behavioral. I'll say, how was the last two weeks? Wow. You know, he was doing amazing. We were really impressed. He's really improved. Did you tell him that? No, I've just been happy with the calmness in the house. Did you share that with him? No, he's not doing anything wrong. Yeah. That's the time to share it with him. Let him know that he's succeeding. Let him know that he's improving. Those are really good things. Uh, the other day, my son was playing a video game on his iPad and the game was lost. Now in the past, he would have flipped out because he was a very dysregulated boy and he would have, he would have raged. Honestly, he was just, he was very dysregulated. And this time his eyes got really big and he watered up a little bit and I could tell like he was like trying to calm down. And I went up in that moment and I hugged him from behind and I whispered to him, I am so impressed with how you're handling that because a long time ago you would have flipped out and look at you, you are handling it really well. And he, he beamed. So in that moment where he was already really angry, he beamed and he said, thanks mom. And what I'm doing is not only making him feel better, but I'm also, I'm, I'm taking advantage of that situation where I saw him using some skills that he didn't have in the past. And I am complimenting him on that. And when you compliment your kids on things that you want them to do, or you think is good for them to do, guess what's going to happen? they're going to do it more. 
So whenever you see your kids doing something that you're like, yes, if they could just do that all the time, my life would be so much better. Tell them that. Don't tell them that exact thing. (laughs) That probably wouldn't be good. But tell them, I am so appreciating you right now. I really like the way that you're doing blah, blah, blah. Another thing that I always do with my kids that is a helpful thing when you have the moment to think about it, but it's not going to sound natural, is I don't say, often I don't say I'm proud of you. I say you should be proud of yourself. So when my son brings home his spelling test and he's gotten 100%, I say, wow, I bet you're really proud of yourself. Or wow, you should be really proud of yourself. Now that is one thing that I got from that parenting book that I'm totally not a fan of. (laughs) She did make that point. And I thought that is a good point, you know, to put it on them intrinsically feel proud of themselves and not based on a relationship with me. You know, it's not like, wow, I'm proud of you because you did well on your spelling test. No, it has nothing to do with me. It's all about you. So you should be proud. And my kids, because I say that a lot now, they'll say, I am proud of myself. Or sometimes spontaneously, they'll come home and they'll say, mom, I am so proud of myself today. I did a presentation and I did really well. So they're using that language. So you can try that too with your kids. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about before we end for today is, and this one's maybe a little controversial, but when we force our kids to stay in activities that they don't want to be in, it does have the potential to hurt their self-confidence. Let me explain. So more often than not, I will hear parents tell me, you know, he wants to quit soccer, but we're not quitters. And so he's going to have to stay the season. And I hear that all the time. That's a big message that our parental generation wants to convey to our kids. You don't quit. You're a team player or we signed up. You have a commitment and you need to finish it. I totally get that and I completely support that. However, there's always a however, right? If your child is just tanking it at a sport, I mean, they are not good, (laughs) which sounds totally rude, but honestly, be honest with yourself. If they're going out there and they are just standing there and their teammates are like, oh my gosh, why is he on our team? And your child is like, I hate this. I don't like this sport. I'm not good at it. Why am I here? There comes a time where you want to cut your losses and leave because you're not helping your child's self-esteem. And I think that you have to, you have to make that parental call. One time my daughter was in soccer and she had done quite a few seasons, maybe like three or four. And she was actually really good at soccer. And we were towards the end of the season into maybe like her fourth season of soccer. And there were just a bad mix of girls in this, on this team. And they were being really vicious and mean to her. They would pull her hair and it killed me to sit there and watch and no one did anything. And I told her I wanted to get up and go like, I wanted to get up and like beat those girls up. <laughs> like mama bear is like, back off girls, you little people who think they're so big. I wanted to go up to their parents and be like, um, hello, where are you? Do you see how your kids treat other people? But my daughter was very, very clear. Mom, butt out. I don't want you doing anything. And she was old enough that I needed to respect that because I'm not going to rescue her when she doesn't want rescuing. And it wasn't like they were beating her up. They were just, they were taunting her. And so she didn't want me to do anything. It was very hard for me to stomach. And eventually she was like, I don't want to go back to soccer. 
And I completely agreed with her. I really didn't want her to go to soccer either because it was hard for me to stomach and it wasn't a good thing. It was hurting her self-esteem. So I tell you that personal story because that's a good example of when it was time to cut our losses. Yeah. Did those bullies win? Maybe, but you know, the coach was like this volunteer coach who could care less about, you know, mean kids. And the parents were all, I think, mean spirited because they're raising these little mean people. And it just wasn't a good environment. It wasn't a good culture. We found a different league for my other two kids who are playing soccer now, and they haven't had that problem. And she doesn't want to do soccer anymore. And I have to respect that. Maybe she wouldn't have wanted to do soccer anyway, because she's getting older. But you know, you want to evaluate why your children don't want to do something. And if they don't want to do it because they're really bad at it, or there's mean kids there and they just don't want to deal with that, it's supposed to be extracurricular and fun. You know, you have to say, are we staying in this because I enjoy going to practices or because I just have this rigid belief system that they have to stay with whatever they do, regardless of whether they are leaving there feeling uplifted or are they doing okay, but they just want to quit. And if they're doing great and there's no trauma and there's, there's, they've got good skills and they just want to sleep in, then yeah, fine. You know, finish up the, the season and then don't sign up again. But all I'm saying is you want to be aware and be flexible of situations because I think all too often we keep our kids in situations that are hurting their self-esteem based on principles that really don't matter when you're looking at the trauma that it's causing. Okay. So that was the last one. Hopefully some of this was eye-opening to you because I think trying to build our children's self-esteem is so tricky because some of them come prepackaged feeling pretty good about themselves and some of them come prepackaged feeling pretty bad. And that's kind of where my five-year-old is. My other two seem okay. So hopefully this will help your version of my five-year-old. If you have ideas for upcoming podcast episodes, feel free to shoot me an email. You can email me at anxious toddlers at yahoo.com. That would be great. I'm always up for new ideas. Normally I'm getting these ideas from my website articles at anxious toddlers.com. I normally pick articles that have been well-received and then I'm doing podcast episodes of those, but I'm definitely open to things that you want me to talk about that maybe I haven't talked about yet. So if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it more than love it. If you took two seconds out of your day, well, maybe it would be like 30 seconds out of your day and left a review. If you're getting something from this and you want to give back, I completely appreciate that. So until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com. 